biblically sung in tongues. Because <laughs> you were singing in French. Matthew chapter 2. We're going to read about what we just sang about. We're going to read the story of the wise men who came to worship the Christ child. We begin reading at Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Behold, there came wise men from the east to go from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard this, or these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where the Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judah, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country in another way. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your revelation, for you telling us your story. That includes the story, Father, of our Savior, Jesus Christ. I thank you for these wise men who taught us what we ought to do, and that is worship Jesus. And I pray, Father, that as we worship together, that we, Father, might lay hold of just this simple truth that I'm sharing. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you today about a gift worth giving, but before I do, let me kind of 
talk about what's going on here. Uh, these wise men, uh, they were from the east, possibly from the country that we know as Iraq today. Uh, but they were from the east. They were ambassadors. They were representatives. They were mostly influential men. They were men who had authority. They were men who were skilled in philosophy and science and medicine and astrology. Now, we're not talking about the religion of astrology. We're talking about the science. Okay? Huh? Astronomy. I'm sorry. Got it wrong. Uh, but anyway, God gave them a special sign. It was a miraculous star. And the star led them to Jerusalem, and they headed out to go to Jerusalem to find the Christ child so they could worship him. Now, like Don just said, we don't know how many there were. Uh, folks have said possibly there were three because there were three gifts given. But uh, one thing we know for sure that when they came through Jerusalem, they troubled the whole city which means the whole city was aware of the fact that they were there. And an interesting thing I want to point out to you is this. These men were Gentiles. They were not Jews. Do you know why? Because Jesus came to be the Savior of the world. He's not just a Jewish Savior. He's a Savior for anyone who wants to call on him. And then I'm, I, I noticed something here. The wise men were seeking the king. Let me say that again. The wise men were seeking the king. Herod was afraid of the king. The Jewish priests were ignoring the king. And that's an interesting thing, too. These, these uh, scribes and priests, they knew the scripture. They knew about the Messiah. In fact, they pointed others to the Messiah, but they wouldn't go themselves. There were five miles, roughly, from the Son of God and didn't bother to go visit him. And uh, then something else we understand is that they came to a house in verse 11. They were no longer in the manger. We know that this is sometime after the birth of Christ. We don't know exactly when. We just know that the family was at this time in a house in work. When we do manger scenes, and I don't mind, when we see a and we have the three wise men gathered around, the little infant child, you know, that's in the manger, uh, and, and they bring their gifts. Or, really, that's not what happened. They did bring gifts. But it wasn't at the manger scene. But I think the point being, whenever we do a program, being that they brought their gifts and worshipped him. That's the heart of the matter. So just kind of some observations there. There are four kinds of gifts that you can give at Christmas time that I came up with. And I just, just kind of a little information to lead you to where we're going. The first kind of gift is what I call a gift for a gift gift. Now let me explore that. And I and I know why some of you are chuckling because you understand already. 
Okay. It's a gift for a gift. It's basically, it's a gift that we get some who gave us a gift, or we think they might give us a gift. So we're going to make sure that we do this gift exchange just right. And if they give us one last year, we didn't give them one, then we're going to get our list together. We're going to make sure that we take care of this year. A gift for a gift gift. You know, we've all done that. And when you do that, one of the characteristics of that kind of giving is you've got to keep records. You know, you've got to remember, and, and you've got to make sure you do that. Uh, and then uh, sometimes you get disappointed. You ever heard somebody say, oh, man, I really bought them a gift last year. I mean, I, I spent $25. You know what they got me? Oh, yeah, let's see. Something else is, I think there may be a lot of money by the retailers who sell these kinds of gifts. The gift for gift, gift. Sometimes it works with Christmas cards too, don't it? Oh, I see. Here, here's another one. Here's the second one. It's a gift for a favor gift. Um, these kind of people, they don't really expect a gift in return. They just give you. These kind of people, they don't really expect a gift in return. They just give you a gift and they remember it. They just remember it. They don't want a gift back. They kind of want you to be nice. You know? They kind of keep score. I, I worked with a guy one time, and every once in a while he'd do something nice for someone and said, now he owes me one. It's that kind of gift, you know? We, we, we need to be so careful. Sometimes uh, if our attitude isn't right, we'll give our kids gifts based on their behavior. And we don't want to do that. You know, companies do that. Every year, Thanksgiving, they give you a turkey. Christmas time, they give you a ham. They don't really say it, but they say, you know, we're being nice to you. Now you be nice to us. Hey, have you ever thought of buying them a turkey? <laughs> I bet that would throw them, wouldn't it? Now, I'm not saying that all of them are like that, but there, there are certain gifts that, that come at us, you know, that, uh, uh, and that maybe even we give that we give them for a favor. There's another one that I thought of, and it is this. I have to gift. <laughs> I have to. Now, the unique thing about the have to gift is that you give it, but you don't really want to give it. I mean, you know, you have to. You have to give it to this person or that person, you know, and there are pressures that make you give the have-to gift, and, and, and your heart really isn't in it. There, there's family pressure. There's work pressure. There's relationships pressure. I've got to give them a gift. But if I had my way, I wouldn't. 
You know, the have-to gift. Well, I'll tell you what I have to do with a have-to gift. I've never given one. You buy it and get over it. But what I really want to talk to you about today is what I call a grace gift. A grace gift. That's where I want to go. A grace gift. That's the one that we want to give every time we give one. A grace gift. You say, Pastor, what's a grace gift? Well, I've got some spaces down there for you to fill in that will help you define it a little bit. Uh, first of all, a grace gift is a gift that is freely given. I mean, there's no resistance in you at all. And there are no requirements at all and no expectations at all. It's just a freely given it's, it's like the gift of salvation. It's freely given, no strings attached. A grace gift is a gift that is freely given. I believe a grace gift is an expression of unconditional love. Now we're talking about grace. We're talking about giving someone something because we care, because we love them. And not because they're lovely, not because they're lovable, not because they appeal to us, but because we just love them. Unconditional love. It's the idea that there is nothing but nothing but nothing they could do to stop you from giving them a gift. Because you love them. And then our grace gift is given for the good of the receiver. A grace gift. Now you say, oh, that's simple. No, it's not. Not if you really give a grace gift for the good of the receiver. That means that you have to get to know who you're giving it to. You have to discover a little bit about them. You have to know a certain things about them, about their needs, and about something that will help them. I can remember as we were, had our family at home and all the kids were at home, and, and uh, I, I love to cook. Now, I don't cook a lot because I'm not allowed in the kitchen, but I love to cook. I really do. We have a tradition at our house that we've had for a long time called Daddy Fries. That's because Daddy invented them. Uh, and, uh, and, and then I, I cooked chicken one time, and after that I was supposed to cook the chicken. You know, the secret to cooking my good chicken, the fried chicken, I used my mother's pan, and whatever she did worked. But, but, but anyway, um, I used to go out and buy my, my wife gifts. I'd buy her a new set of pots and pans, because <laughs> I like to use them. I would, I would go out and get her, you know, things that she really needed for the kitchen so that I could use them. I really wasn't, don't tell her this, she's in the nursery, she can't tell. But I really was buying them for me and giving them to her. Now she appreciated them, 
and she learned to like them. But, but you know, folks, uh, sometimes when we give someone a gift, we often aren't even thinking of them. We're thinking of us. And then there's another mark of a grace gift, and that is it is an expression of yourself. An expression of yourself. That means a, a grace gift comes from you. Now, when I, when I say that, what I'm saying is it's like giving a piece of yourself. There's some things that you give to someone else and you give them to them and, and it's, it's, like, it's like you really are giving them a piece of yourself. Sometime after my wife and I had been married, I finally, now nobody else probably did this, but I finally, with my whole heart, told her I loved her. You thought I did that before we got married, but folks, opening up your heart totally and saying, I love you, that, that was hard for me to do. But when I did that, I also said, and now you can hurt me really bad. Because I gave myself, you see. Sometimes when you give this grace gift, you're giving something to someone that's just like a piece of you, and they understand that. I think my daughter gave me one of those at her wedding. Remember, I walked down the aisle, and that tape started playing with a letter to Dad that said, Dear Pops, and she gave herself to me in that letter. That's the kind of thing we're talking about. Another thing about grace gifts is they are uh, often immeasurable. You really can't measure the value of a grace gift. It, it, it means so much. It's, it's not so much the gift as who gave it and what it means. You know, when we were out west here in, in, in uh, Colorado, I, I uh, picked, I bought, paid for, my wife selected them, but I paid for some, some tea things, you know, a dish and, and a teapot and some teacups. And, and uh, it was uh, something to do with Emily Barnes. And I so I, we, you know, I bought all that for her. It means so much. She's got it on the coffee table. Ken, don't repeat this. She said, I think if the kids were here, I would take it off the coffee table. <laughs> Why would she do that? Because it's priceless. It's very special. And when you give a grace gift, sometimes it's just, it, it's not what you give, but your spirit. And then one other thing about a grace gift is it never looks for a return. Never looks for a return. A grace gift just goes one way. You know, it doesn't have a way back. It just, it's something you send out one way and, 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 and there it stays. And the joy is in the giving and the joy of the person receiving Unless they don't enjoy it, and then all you're left with is the joy of giving. But you still have it, you see. Now, I want to use three action words 
to help us remember what's going on here. Now, the, to, to help us remember, and the first action word is observing, observing. I want to look at these wise men as they bring their gift to Jesus. You know, they started it all. They messed it up for everybody. They brought gifts, the first Noel, you know, the first Christmas. They brought gifts. And I think people have been given gifts ever since for Christmas. Now, there are some characteristics about their gift. And I want you to notice, first of all, their gift was personal. Personal. You know, these men were wealthy. These men probably had servants. These men probably could have sent someone else with the gift, but they didn't do that. They took it themselves. I'm impressed by the fact that they wanted to come themselves and worship the Christ child. In fact, when you think of it being personal, it's really all through this story. They say, we saw his star and we came to worship him. They went their way. They came to the house. It's, it's a lot of personal pronouns. Personal stuff going on. The gift was secondary. It was a good gift, but it was still secondary. What was exciting about this for them was the Christ child. And they get to come and see the Christ child, the king of the Jews. They bring their gift, and that's really nice, but the important thing was their personal involvement. It was a person going to see a person, giving a person a gift. Hey, that's what we want to do. Second thing I would ask you to notice about their gifts is that they were given for the highest possible reason. Again, it's not the value of the giver. It's the heart of the giver. It was more than gold and frankincense and myrrh. You know what it was about? Worship. You know, when you and I bring our tithes and our offerings to the Lord, it's worship. When you and I sing praises to the Lord, it's worship. When you and I pray together to the Lord, it's worship. But all of this is all centered on not what we're doing, but who we're looking at. And this is what I have here, the highest possible reason. Their focus was on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it was all about. And that's what we want it to be all about. I want you to see something else. You notice that their gifts were given with the right motivation. What was that? They chose to give them. They were motivated from within. When our kids were young again and at home, um, my wife was really good at getting a present from Kelly for Jeff. Sometimes Kelly never had a clue until <laughs> Jeff opened it or read the tag, you know. Sometimes, you know, I'd get a present for Mama from Ken, you know, and, and uh, it was easy for him not to have a clue. And <laughs> and, and, and you do that. But when you get to that age, 
or you want to do it on your own. And by the way, really young children can do that. I have from time to time children in the church come into my office and they'll bring me a picture. Pastor, I made this for you. You know, sometimes it's just something they picked up. Pastor, this is for you. And it's coming from their heart and their desire to give. And I'm telling you, these men, when they gave their gifts, they were motivated from their own heart. It was wholly and solely motivated by the one doing the giving. Fourth thing I want you to notice about this is that they gave gifts that would last. They would last. And in fact, we're still talking about it today. I mean, it's been a long time. But they gave these gifts that would last. And then I, one other thing I see here is I believe they gave their gifts as soon as they could. Now, now, I realize they didn't do it immediately after the Christ child was born, but I believe that when they had the information, when they had the message, when they had the star, they set out. Sort of like, do it now. So that's kind of what the wise men were doing. Now, I want to talk to you about the next word, action word, and that is the word receiving. And here we have the greatest gift ever given is you can say it any way you want. I just wrote out of mine, the baby Jesus in the manger. The greatest gift ever given. The baby Jesus in the manger. You know, you go back to that verse 1 and you read. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, if you're not careful... You'll just read that and go on. But we really ought not to just read that and go on. Because in this statement is all that God ever promised concerning a Savior coming. You know, in this verse we have the promise to Adam and Eve. In Genesis 3.15, where God said that the seed of the woman would bruise or destroy the head of the seed of the serpent. Genesis 3.15 says Jesus is going to come and he's going to win. And it's in this verse. In this verse, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, we have the promised deliverer. When you read Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, it's in this verse. When you talk about the ram caught in the thicket that, the, the, that Ab Abraham found when he was going to offer Isaac, uh, you have that in this verse. The picture is there. You can go on through the Old Testament and you can discover that Jesus said, David saw my day and he was glad. Hey folks, David is in this verse and what he saw is in this verse. This verse and this phrase is the Old Testament being fulfilled. And it's the New Testament beginning. In this verse is God becoming flesh and dwelling among us. And this phrase is this. Jesus has arrived. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem. 
We know that his name is Jesus because he's to be a savior of his, to save his people from their sins. We, we know that. But look at this. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, do you know the Bible from cover to cover in a way is in this verse? It tells us where we're coming, where we came from. It tells us where we are. It tells us where we're going. But the central focal point in all of this is Jesus Christ and his incarnation and his crucifixion and his resurrection. It's all here. This here is something that came about right on time. It's here. So when you read that phrase, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, wow, it's there. Now I want to look at that grace gift. You know, when we look at Jesus, he's a grace gift. He's a wonderful gift. He was freely given to bear our sins. The Father gave him to bear our sins. When God gave his son, it was an expression of unconditional love. That's a grace gift. That was because God loved us. When we were not lovely, when we were not lovable, when we were not attractive, in fact, the Bible says we were enemies. We were at enmity one with another. And yet God loved us and gave us this gift. This gift is a grace gift because it is a savior who brings salvation. This gift is a grace gift because it's an expression of God. Take the attributes of God and look at them, and we won't do that right now, but take the attributes of God and, and, and look at them, especially his love in this case, and you will see that Jesus Christ is an expression of God. In fact, it's a piece of himself. In fact, it is himself. The gift. Did you and I know, I mean, do we know that the gift of eternal life that we receive from Christ is immeasurable? You can't measure the value of Jesus. You can't measure the value of eternal life. It's just, it's, it's a gift that God gives us. But here's an important question for you. Have you received the gift? John tells us, as many as received him, that is Jesus, as many as received him to them gave you power to become the sons of God or the children of God. Hey, have you received Christ as your personal savior? If you have not, there's this gift that God has for you. It's sitting right outside the door. Like, like, the, uh, like the priest and the scribes, it's just five miles down the road. You just got to go get it. Isn't that something? This gift, this amazing gift is available to all who will receive it. His name is Jesus. You talk about a grace gift. There's nothing but nothing but nothing you have to do to earn it or warrant it. You don't even have to really do anything to keep it. God does it all. It's just yours. Have you received the gift? 
If you haven't, let me invite you to. Let me invite you to put your faith in what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. He died to pay for your sin, you know. And the Bible says that if we believe on him, we will have everlasting life. He only asks that you receive his gift, that you believe that he did what the Bible says he did. If you'd like to do that, don't leave here until you talk with me or Pastor Ken. We would love to talk with you. Now, the third action word is the word giving. Giving. And I want to challenge you to give someone a, a grace gift. Now, let me review. Don't write this down, but let me review. Remember, a grace gift is freely given. A grace gift is an expression of un unconditional love. A grace gift is given for the good of the receiver. A grace gift is an expression, an extension of yourself. A grace gift is often immeasurable. A grace gift is given with no thought of a return. Now, I'm just going to challenge you this Christmas in the process of giving gifts to give some grace gifts. Here are some suggestions. One, give yourself. Give yourself. By that I mean, if I ask for a show of hands on how many are so busy they see themselves coming and going. You know, I mean, you are so busy. You can't turn around without running into yourself. You know, I mean, you're just super busy. Fellas, what if you came home one day from work and said, "Hon, i I'm taking tomorrow off. I'm yours. I'll do anything you want. I'll go anywhere you want to go. I won't spend everything you want to spend, but, 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 but other than that, huh, I am yours. You have me. You own me. You know what else would be interesting? What if you did that with one of your teenagers? And said, you know, today is yours. Give yourself. You know, it's not tangible. It's not measurable. But it's there. Here's something else you can give. Give a service. Give a service. I... I, I, I don't like to mention names because so many people do so many things around here. But this illustrates a little bit of what I'm talking about. About 7.15 this morning, Carville Gardner showed up here at the church. Now he's on his way home from work. And he stops. And he does all kinds of little things here to get ready for the service. And then he goes on home. Now, if I didn't tell you that, you wouldn't know it. Okay? It's like a gift of service that you do. You just do something for someone. And by the way, I in no way implying that he's the only one that does that. Okay? I mean, I just want you, because you already, many of you already do things, but just give a gift of service. My neighbor come down the road the other day with his truck, and he had a snowplow on it. Can you believe that guy plowed? every driveway on our street. I mean, people weren't home, you know, he was just busy doing it. Nice thing. He just needs the Lord, pray for him. Give service. Also, you can give encouragement. Anybody 
can criticize anybody. It's easy. I can find fault with anybody. So can you. Especially if you're insecure and defensive. But what about a word of encouragement? What about saying to someone, you know, you're a blessing to me, and let me tell you why. What if there's only one thing out of a hundred you like about someone? Tell them you like that. One thing. You know, encouragement. I'll tell you what, folks, you'll get farther with encouragement than you will anything else. But what if you don't get anywhere? You can still give it. Here's another very important one. Give the gospel. Give the gospel. Find out a way to share this gift with others. The gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. And then one other thing. Give your gift now. Do it now. I came across this, this, uh, these words and I want to share them with you. It's about doing it now. They were going to be all they wanted to be tomorrow. None would be braver or kinder than they tomorrow. A friend who was troubled and wearied they knew would be glad for a lift and needed it too. And on him they would call and see what they could do tomorrow. Each morning they stacked up the letters they'd write tomorrow and thought of the folks they would fill with delight tomorrow, the greatest of people they just might have been. The world would have opened its heart up to them, but in fact they passed on and faded from view, and all they had left when their living was through was a mountain of things they intended to do tomorrow. Do it today. What is the gift worth giving? It really is the grace gift. And the, grace, and the greatest grace gift to give is Jesus Christ. And you do that by delivering the gospel. And then by building a godly heritage in those you love. The greatest gift is the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't forget about those wise, I mean those uh, priests and those scribes. They knew the way. They just didn't go the way. I might say they showed the way, but they didn't go the way. And there were five miles from life. Don't leave here without life. Would you stand with me, please? Father, we thank you for your gift. Father, we pray that we might emulate you in the very grace that you've given to us. Father, we might give to others. And Lord, if there's someone here without Christ as his or her own personal Savior, Lord, I pray you draw them to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, you may be seated. We're going to have baptism at this time. And we've got some uh, folks who are going to be baptized. Uh, the guys need to go up here.
and the ladies we go in that room right there and we'll sing while they do that and we'll get ready we'll be ready with you in a minute Number 183, you may remain seated. Fred, would you turn on these lights? Oh, never mind. This is Laurel Jarvis. And uh, she lives, she, where do you live? Galveston, Texas. She lives in Galveston, Texas. And uh, her relationship to us is she's Connie's daughter, Connie Ignis's daughter, and her heart's desire was to be baptized in this church. So we're thank thankful for that. And I talked with her, and uh, she gave me a clear testimony concerning her salvation. And uh, then I asked her if she wanted to say anything, and she said, no thanks. <laughs> I'm embarrassed okay. in front of people. Okay, now, would you, Laurel, it's upon your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior that I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Okay. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection, Turn. <laughs> okay, we're all set. Okay. This is a little different. The one in the middle is the mother. This is Terry Whitaker. This is Heather on my right. And this is Eric on my left. And they've all given me a clear testimony about their salvation. And uh, I'm thankful for the different instruments God has used in their lives to bring them to him. Now, guys, if you'll just stand right there. And if you'll just stand in that corner, we're going to do this while you're in here. Okay? Okay. Terry, it's upon your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior that I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Buried in the likeness of his death.
raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Okay. Thank you. This is Heather. Are you still 16? Yeah. All right. Heather was saved following one of our services here not too long ago. And uh, we thank the Lord for that. Heather, it's upon your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Buried in the likeness of his death. Raised in the likeness of his resurrection. Okay. Are you still 13? Yes. Okay. This, this is Eric. And uh, he was saved at camp, isn't that right? Uh, something with my church. Okay. Well, I'm glad that he's here. He gave a really good testimony concerning his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And Eric, it's upon your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection, to walk in newness of life. Smile. Okay, that's it.